Welcome to The Sad Bastard. I'm Dave Tarnowski. And I keep asking myself the same questions. Why won't this stop? When does the sadness go away? When will the pain subside? When will I stop breaking down? When will I accept that it's over? Why can't I move on? Vivid memories flash in my mind constantly. Good and bad. The end, certainly. Just before I moved out. But also years ago, when we were still in New York, when we first started seeing each other. The Brooklyn years. We were so happy then. At least most of the time. I miss her so much it fucking hurts. And it's an emotional wound that is worse than any physical pain I have ever experienced. And I've had fucking hemorrhoids removed. And even that memory includes her. She cared for me. She took care of me. We adored each other. And I blew it all up. How can I ever truly forgive myself? I know I preach self-compassion and self-forgiveness. But sometimes the things I preach about the most are the things I need to work on the most. No matter how much I try to change my relationship with my unchangeable past, it's always the same. I can't stop thinking about it and wishing it were the way it once was. I just had an extremely painful breakdown while writing this. The realization that I may never see her again hit me like a blow to my soul. I mean, shit, I haven't seen my first wife in 12 years, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's such a terrible thing, dealing with the loss of someone who is the biggest part of your life every day for years. And as it approaches a year since I last held the woman I loved more than anything in this world, I fear I'm no further along the path to recovery. I know that's just my emotional brain talking. I know I have made progress. My intellectual brain knows this. A lot of progress. But I just feel like I'm stuck in the same hole. There's a recent New York Times article that called what we've been collectively going through over the past awful year, languishing. Languishing is a sense of stagnation and emptiness, wrote Adam Grant. It feels as if you're muddling through your days, looking at your life through a foggy windshield. And it might be the dominant emotion of 2021. He went on, Languishing is the neglected middle child of mental health. It's the void between depression and flourishing, the absence of well-being. You're not functioning at full capacity. Languishing dulls your motivation, disrupts your ability to focus, and triples the odds that you'll cut back on work. I've been feeling all of that on such a large scale. My mental health has been anything but good for a long time. 
but finally finding the right combination of meds to make my life more tolerable has only led me to feeling flat most of the time. My life has definitely been stagnant. And as it gets closer and closer to moving to New York, I realize that once I'm gone, it's officially over. I mean, it's already over. It's been over. I'll always find a way to rationalize the idea that it might not be. That I might get my foot in the door somehow. But at the same time, I don't think I could see her again, knowing it's over. Honestly, don't know how I did it back in September when we met in the park. And that was only three months from when we split. Not even. Somehow I'm even worse now. I'd collapse at her feet in a puddle of tears. But would it be the same had we not been going through this fucking pandemic? Had I been able to get out and see people? Had I moved back to New York last year when we split instead of staying another fucking year here all alone? Of course not. But no one knows how different things would have been. And it's pointless because it didn't fucking happen any other way than the way it did. The way I wish I could go back and change. But it's not as easy as going back and changing the ending, is it? I'd have to go back all the way to the beginning and tweak things along the way. For seven years. You can foresee a breakup if you're willing to look it in the eye. The signs are all there from the start. The things that won't work. The ways you both are that will eventually clash. Maybe you can get past them. For a while at least. For years in some cases. But the only red flag I saw at the beginning was her not being able to spend as much time with me as I knew I needed. I didn't really mind the bossing me around stuff, or the doing things I didn't want to. Like Mark on Peep Show says, doing things you hate is just the price you pay to avoid loneliness. I needed her. I was madly in love with her. She kicked my ass all the time, constantly challenged me to be better. And I made a lot of progress becoming me, owning who I am because of her. But owning who I am means owning the things I've done. And I've only been able to do that recently. Our last conversation a couple of weeks ago still bothers me. It was her tone, mostly. And on the one hand, I could understand it, but on the other hand, it sort of made me feel angry towards her. I mean, she was angry at me for asking yet again if there was a chance for us. But she lit into me in a way that was so reminiscent of past moments that it actually made me not want to talk to her. It made me not want to see her. 
So it's such a weird combination of emotions I've been going through these past couple of weeks. But one of the things about the conversation that also still sticks with me is I was completely and utterly unable to say anything at some point. It was basically like the worst date you could possibly be on. Only it's the exact opposite of a date. It's uh, it's a relationship debriefing. And I've been thinking, maybe there wasn't much left to be said. Or maybe there's too much I'm not saying. Too much I can't say. It's really helped that I've been talking to my first wife a bit lately. It helps me not feel like such a piece of shit. It was great timing, her reaching out to me again just as things deteriorated even more with my current ex-wife. I mean, it's not great timing for my first wife because she's going through some bad shit. But it's been nice to be there for her. It feels nice to care and be cared for. Maybe one day I'll have a relationship like that with my second wife. I don't even know what to call her at this point anymore. We'll be there for each other. We'll chat about what's been going on instead of what went on. Or maybe not. I have to be okay with maybe not. Lately I've just been feeling listless. I'm sure it's just the waiting. That I have a month and a half to go until I move back to New York. And that may seem like nothing, but every day is dragging. I just want the life I know right now to be over. I've already started packing. Feels nice to be proactive about it. I mean, nothing is making me happy these days anyway, so let's just box everything up. Fuck it. Okay, it's time to get to some submissions. Maddie wrote, Fell in love with a guy who wasn't over his ex, and now I can't get over him. And on the flip side of this, Bennett wrote, I think I may be falling in love for the second time, but I can't quite get over my first love. Shit, what if you two are writing about each other? Anyway, people need to take time between relationships. I've learned that the hard way. And actually, the pandemic has really helped me in a weird way by forcing me to be alone. And when I say people need to take time between relationships, sometimes that's a lot of time. It can take years to get over an ex completely. But the longer you take between them, the better chance you have of creating something meaningful with someone new. And jumping into something right away isn't fair to either people. The rebounder or the reboundee. To meet someone great and get your hopes up, and then they end up breaking your heart because their heart is still broken. I know we can't help who we fall for, or when. But like I said earlier, the warning signs are there early on. We just choose to ignore them. And this is a dangerous thing to do. 
I'm not saying I regret being with my ex. Far from it. I'm saying the things I knew would bother me were right there in front of me. I just chose to accept them. And these are things I know will be deal breakers for me next time. But will they really? This brings me to what Josh wrote. Lately I've been thinking about how I can't escape old problematic relationship patterns. I need to work on this more than anything in my life. And this goes for all of my relationships, whether it's a girlfriend or a friend or a family member. My biggest problem is boundaries. Setting them and respecting others. I think I've always had that problem. That and making my partner my everything. I need friends to lean on in times of need. Friends to have fun with. To be real with. To be accepted by. Relationships suffer when you don't have anyone else around who loves you. Not in the way you need to be loved. And it led me to look for it in other ways. In ways that I shouldn't have. But it's important to learn from all of that. To own up to it. To yourself first and foremost. It's much easier to be forgiven than it is to forgive yourself. We need to admit to ourselves the things we've done. The ways we've wronged others. But also how we wrong ourselves along the way. How we weren't happy but didn't know how to say it or we're too afraid to break up and face life on our own willingly. We are not always doomed to repeat the same mistakes. But if we don't actively avoid falling into them, we absolutely will. Next up is Arshin, who wrote, Is being diagnosed and aware of your mental issue better than just getting cured and not knowing it? I'm not even sure how to respond to this. If you were quote-unquote cured before knowing you had something, did you actually have it? People go to therapy and get diagnosed because they come to a realization that they need help. I'm not sure I would have gone to therapy without my ex's constant encouragement that I do so. She knew I was a mess. I've always been a mess. Getting diagnosed has been great. Being treated has helped me immensely. But I don't believe there is a cure. This is a life sentence. I can do things to make myself feel better. But usually my brain tells me to do the things that will make me feel worse. It's like I'm hardwired to self-destruct. And I've known this for years. Yet it wasn't until two years ago that I thought, hey, maybe I have a chemical imbalance of some sort or something. And it was then that I went to my doctor for meds. It wasn't the best idea, as this was my primary care doctor. And she said she couldn't diagnose, but she could prescribe, and basically, I could take my pick. I chose Prozac because I didn't know better. Because it was a recognizable brand name and I stayed on it for over a year over a year of me making myself worse with the wrong pills 
It wasn't until last April that I formally got diagnosed and started treatment. And I'm beyond happy to have finally found the right meds to get my bipolar diagnosis, to start understanding myself more. Granted, one of the worst moments of my life happened two months later. But thankfully, I was on my way to being better mentally. Had I not been getting treatment for my depression and anxiety, I doubt I'd still be alive. I don't think I would have made it through the rest of last year. I only wish I could wake up one day and be cured. Next up is Zoe, who asked, If they can't give you what you need, does it matter why? Zoe, I fucking love this question. Because there's no right answer. If you're willing to work, to talk to them about why it doesn't work, to see if there could be some compromise in order to make things better for you, then it's worth it. But if it's an impossible situation, like they're moving away or they're married and won't leave their spouse, it's probably best to leave. What always matters is love. If you love this person, even if you know they ultimately can't give you what you need, it's hard to just leave. I knew my ex couldn't give me the time with her that I needed. I would always get less time than her career. Nothing wrong with that, of course. That could work for plenty of people. Everyone needs a different level of one-on-one time with their partner. But I knew I needed more. And I settled for less. I'm not saying being with her was settling. She's an amazing woman and I loved her with all my heart. I'm saying I knew I wasn't going to get what I needed and I stayed with her anyway. Settling for less to be with her and get however much time I got with her. I preferred less of her to none of her. And it was because of this exact moment I'm going through right now. I wanted to avoid this. All the pain, being alone, starting over. It's easy to stay, no matter how hard being in it is. And most people stay long after it's time to go. I think both of my marriages went two years too long, to be honest. Next time I'll know to stop at five. Ursa wrote, The never-ending circle of repeating the same old mistakes. And Jacob wrote, About to start a big change in my life and I'm honestly scared. To both of you I say, Same. I'm hoping life in New York is better this time. I've always had a love-hate relationship with that city. But at least there's love in it, right? When I walk around here in DC, there's rarely a moment when I think, I'm happy, or that's nice, or I feel good. Some of the buildings in different areas are really pretty, but there's just not the convenience of New York, not the feel of a city that I know. 
But will I just fall into the same old patterns? Will I not change? This is the second time now that I'm moving back to New York City and leaving a broken marriage behind me. Third time's a charm? I am scared of this. But also I'm accepting this. I'm 43. How much am I going to change after this, if I'm being honest with myself? And how much do I want to change? If it's less than 50%, it's not going to stand a chance. I know myself. I am the fucking sad bastard. And I'm also the lazy bastard. Yet I'm also the bored bastard. The impatient bastard. I'm a mix of contradictions. And that's all part of my not knowing what I want out of life. My anxiety. My fear of stepping up and doing something to radically change. I mean, I already blew up my life. So do I continue to wallow? Or do I truly make this move a big change? It's a big change on its own. But it's not an unfamiliar one. And I could very easily turn it into a mostly meaningless one. I don't go out much. I never have. And what's the real difference where you are in the world if you don't leave your apartment? But hopefully these fears will be guides. I just have to allow them to be. To work with them so they don't come true. I want to change while also accepting myself as I am. Which is kind of a conundrum, isn't it? We all need to change, but we should also accept ourselves for who we are. How does that work? If you want to change, you can accept yourself exactly as you are. They contradict each other. It's a trap. So maybe I don't accept myself exactly as I am because I don't want to stay this way. But if I don't put in the work, all I'll have is hope that things will change on their own. And that's not going to get me anywhere. Nika wrote, I got so infatuated with the guy I had a fling with online. He ghosted me and now I feel so hurt. I don't know what happened and I know I shouldn't, but I'm blaming myself and obsessing over it. This is the nature of dating today. And by today, I mean for like the past 13 years. I think ever since the iPhone came along and Facebook. It's so easy to start something with someone online and they could be anywhere in the world. I met my first wife online back in 1999, 22 fucking years ago. She lived in Chicago and I thought, fuck it, I can move there. Seven and a half years later and I was back in New York for the first time. Then after that, I dated countless women, mostly through a dating site, OkCupid, and some from Facebook. And there was a ton of ghosting. I mean, why put yourself in a difficult situation when you could just disappear, right? No need to explain, just poof. All my troubles are gone. I've been on both sides of ghosting many times. It's never really fun. 
and it never gets easier. I've never liked ghosting. I mean, it's just fucking cowardly. And I hate leaving someone hanging because I know all too well what that feels like. But sometimes, it just happens. And as I face re-entry into the world of dating, I know I have more ghosting ahead of me on both sides. And so it goes. Tara wrote, I'm letting go of what is letting go of me. And in one sentence, I realized exactly what I'm having trouble with. My wife has let go, but I'm still holding on to a strand of my marriage. That strand, however, is not attached to anything. So why can't I just let go of it? Why can't I just open up my hand and drop the thread to the floor? Well, because it's a fucking metaphor, duh. I know it's just a matter of time. I won't always feel this way. I will move on. Especially after I move and we officially get divorced. I need something else to focus on. Something else to be able to talk about. I mean, shit, what am I going to talk to a date about other than my ex? That's when you know you shouldn't date. <laughs> when you have nothing else to talk about but your fucking ex. So good for you, Tara. I'm happy for you. I hope to be where you are one of these days. And I hope you stay where you are. So keep letting go. And don't look back. Next up is Fam, who wrote, Just broke up with a long-time girlfriend. How do you know if it wasn't a mistake? You never know, Fam. Life is about choices. You choose one thing over another, and you need to live with those choices. Stay with someone you love, but things aren't great, or be alone. I don't know if there's a wrong or right sometimes, Sometimes it seems clear, but there's often that hope that things will change. I wasn't happy most of the time my ex and I lived together here in DC, but I never even considered leaving her. Should I have? Maybe. But I'll never know because it didn't happen any other way than it did. It couldn't have. We'd likely still be together had I not fucked things up. I passively broke up. Way worse than ghosting. Way more cowardly. But I would have stayed unhappy if nothing had happened. But then, things happened because I was unhappy. Well, and because I made the choices to do what I did. And I just have to live with them. Next up is Christina, who wrote, How celebrating something feels wrong when there's so much suffering. Life is suffering, Christina. And suffering is relative. Some can handle more than others. And everyone endures suffering in one way or another. 
Feeling something good amidst all of the suffering is a triumph and worth celebrating. So I say celebrate whenever you can, without guilt. And to wrap things up, Harry wrote, Trying to get into new music. Any album wrecks? Well, here are some of my favorite albums, in no particular order. Pornography by The Cure. Sea Change by Beck. Like Clockwork by Queens of the Stone Age. California by Mr. Bungle. Yes by Morphine. Let Love In by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Teenage and Torture by Shoper Ray and her Happy Hookers. Sunset Mission by Boren Under Club of Gore. I probably didn't pronounce that anywhere near right. In Rainbows by Radiohead. Portishead by Portishead. The Southern Harmony and Musical Companion by The Black Crows. Diamond Dogs by David Bowie. Little Earthquakes by Tori Amos. Angel Dust by Faith No More. Lark's Tongues and Aspic by King Crimson. Field Songs by Mark Lanigan. Another Green World by Brian Eno. Horse Stories by Dirty Three. And that's Horse Stories, not Horse Stories. It's probably another band. The Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me soundtrack by Angelo Badalamenti. F Sharp, A Sharp, Infinity by Godspeed, You Black Emperor. Nothing Shocking by Jane's Addiction. The Downward Spiral by Nine Inch Nails. Ten by Pearl Jam. Over the Sun by Shannon Wright. And my most recent favorite, Punisher by Phoebe Bridgers. And really any other recording by all of these incredible artists. I hope that helps. I mean, assuming you like sad bastard music. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you for listening. As always, please subscribe to this podcast if you don't already. Rate, review, and share with everyone you know who could benefit from it. And also follow my Instagram accounts, Nick Haven, the Bad Memes, and Sad Peaks. I do Q&As almost every day there where you can tell me what's on your mind, and I might reply to it on a future episode. And also follow me on the Stereo app where I do a live podcast every week, or most every week. This week it'll be Saturday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, it's New York Time, 4 p.m. Los Angeles Time, and, you know, wherever the fuck else you are in the world, whatever time that is, you can Google it. <laughs> Go to Stereo.com backslash the sad bastard. I'll be back next week. Until then... Make good choices. Taking me down, my friend, as they usher me off to my end. Will I bid you adieu? Will I be seeing you soon? What they say around here is true. Then we'll meet again.